from Washington, this is the HPS Macrocast with Hamilton Place Strategies and Markets Policy Partners. Hello, it's Friday, June 7th, 2019. Happy Jobs Day. You're listening to Hamilton Place Strategies Macrocast with our friends from Markets Policy Partners. Every Friday, we take a look at the major economic policy and data stories of the week. I'm Tony Fratto, founding partner at HPS. You can check us out at www.hamiltonps.com. We also tweet at HPS Insight, and I tweet at Tony Fratto. I got to know John Fagan during his, his time running the markets room at the U.S. Treasury Department, and Brendan Walsh when he was a senior analyst at Discovery Capital covering global financial institutions. Today, John and Brendan run Markets Policy Partners, where they provide independent financial market analysis for public sector audiences, among others. You can find them at www.marketspolicy.com. John and Brendan, happy Jobs Day to you both. Thanks, uh, this is our first show on a on a on a payroll uh, uh, non farm payroll yeah. Friday. That's um, a big one. So we just got the we just got the data. Uh, the headline numbers are uh, for for May seventy five thousand uh, net job gain. That was disappointing. Um, I think the expectations are around one hundred seventy five thousand. Unemployment rate held steady at three point six percent. Labor force participation at sixty two point eight percent. Uh, but you also had downward revisions for uh, for March and April. So um, uh, disappointing from that perspective. Uh, what, what did you guys see in the data? I so John. The, the, or John or Brandon. Go, Brandon. <laughs> yeah. So the the ADP uh, data on Wednesday kind of pointed to this. That said, that was uh, twenty seven thousand uh, yeah. private sector jobs, which uh, you, sometimes people don't know how to take. Yeah, it, uh, ADP. it's volatile, and yeah. um, you know sometimes it's predictive. Sometimes but it's, it's a low not. number. That that was yeah. definitely a low number. Uh, the thing that uh, I tend to look at, and uh, a good friend of mine, Lenny Santa, who was a longtime Fed staffer and then Fed washer, is says, uh, you know, watch the re- revisions. The the way the BLS kind of does things is as the new data come in, they they don't uh, estimate it. They don't predict it. If it comes in worse, they revise down. If it comes in better, yep. they revise up. So the fact that we had negative 75,000 revisions in March and April is a little bit of a worrying sign. We've had, uh, I mean, now, um, you know, like, I mean, you could, you, it's not unusual to have a, a year with a month with uh, with a low number. No, no. no. Um, and, we, and we've seen that a lot through this very long jobs uh, expansion. Um, you have it. But and we that's now important have, to keep in mind, too. I mean, it's still seven, 175,000. It's not, the, I mean, uh, in so, terms of the averages. Uh, yeah, what, what, what uh, one, one, so, maybe yeah, 165 164. or so. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, definitely, definitely not bad average. But right. if you wanted to, if you wanted to look for the the dark cloud next to that silver lining, it's exactly. that you had. Um, we have had two months now below one hundred thousand. Yep. Uh, this we had a nice number in January. Everybody, you know, we had a nice number, mm-hmm. and you know, GDP looked better than people thought. Market rate, not rebound in January. People feeling really, really good in January. Then, uh, but the numbers since have not been great. I mean, a good number last last month, but three of the three of the five months this year have been disappointing, um, and two of those months coming in at at uh, at below a hundred thousand exactly. uh, net job gains for a month. So, 
I think um, you know that starts away. You know, I, I always compare that, like, or, that, or the, the the thought that came to my mind is when you, you know you're making microwave popcorn, you know, <laughs> and uh, and you get like towards the end and like the pops start yeah. slowing down a little bit. You know, that's a time to uh, to go in and uh, you know get that bag out of the microwave, no matter how much time you still have on, on the. No, clock, you're right, right? and that yeah. analogy kind of uh, is indicative also of the uh, the wages. So we were at a high of 3.4%. And, and by all indications, the labor market's uh, incredibly tight. But uh, we went from 3.2% uh, year over year now to a very disappointing 3.1%. That was kind of the one outlier that people are pointing to, which could keep the Fed from uh, from hiking. And now it seems like we've, we've taken away any worries of wage inflation. And that seeping through to the uh, the PCE. And Brendan, I think you make a good point there, uh, saying that this was one of the very few things that was standing in the way of a Fed rate hike, at least in the minds of some analysts. Wages. And it was wages and the ongoing strength in the labor market. Mm-hmm. It, it, it was something, you know, something of an isolated, uh, continually robust indicator that kept coming in strong when a lot of the other data points that we've seen from the rest of the economy have settled down a little bit here. And I'm not saying that the Fed should hike, but one thing when you watch, and I think people don't quite uh, understand that, is when the unemployment rate uh, bottoms, it – it's very quickly when it, when it starts to rise. It's not a gradual thing. So yeah. we kind of find our bottom, and when that bottom's hit, we tend to, to go back up. But on wages, it, it seems like the, 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 the pace of increase has turned, right? I mean, totally. Like, yeah. So uh, and that, that seems to be a bit – We really went fairly quickly from yeah. – we were, we were stuck in that 2.5% range, and we very quickly went up to that mid 35 and yeah. we've just no, – not t- just stalled, just off. reversed. Reversed, yeah. yeah. The uh, other, other things in the jobs report itself – um there is uh you know uh, i mean the, the the composition of uh job gains i mean that was pretty dismal with on um, you know retail manufacturing yeah. construction so retails low uh on a yearly basis retails lost 76,000 uh jobs mm-hmm. the other interesting thing is uh maybe this could be a, a hamilton place strategies a study mm-hmm. uh but uh so we lost 15,000 government jobs and most of that was in um the education. So what seems to be happening is the baby boomers are retiring and we, we don't have enough people uh, to replace them. That's interesting. So that's not a cyclical. Um, no, that's right. more of a demographic. Yeah. And we're going to be facing that for the next 15 years, right? As we um, as we look at, uh, you know, checking out CNBC right now, the you know, Dow uh, is up around 165 points. Uh, so Optimism. What is, yeah. What is it? <laughs> I mean, what, if, you're, if you're reading the markets, what are they – what are they? What, how are they interpreting? Yeah, how would uh, this you print? describe this to the the Treasury? Yeah, this is a there are a variety of catchphrases that would apply to an equity reaction to a non farm <laughs> payroll number like this. Yeah. One is the good news is bad news. Yeah, and I think that speaks to the big focus this week prior to the jobs number, which was squarely on Fed easing expectations, building to a real crescendo here this week. We've obviously seen uh, the market begin to price in Fed rate cuts uh, with a greater likelihood later in the year, but this 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 week featured a really dramatic escalation of those expectations as rate cut forecasts, at least market implied rate cut forecasts, were pulled forward pretty uh, pretty swiftly and meaningfully. So uh, 
That was this week before the jobs print, and since then, right? Yeah. So we've seen that the obviously the ADP earlier in the week that came out and accelerated the trend. The trend of of greater pricing for rate cuts in the coming months of lower Treasury yields, and uh, and, and this has worked to sort of stimulate um, equities this week. But that that trend had been going pretty quickly. But accelerated this week because of the ADP number mm-hmm. that came in early. But also, uh, it got started last week with the unexpected uh, threat of tariffs on Mexico. Yeah. That that started it out on Friday, and uh, and certainly this week featured a lot of Fed speakers, uh, including most prominently, of course, Fed Chair Powell, Powell himself. Yeah. And the formulation of their uh, of their policy characterization and communication did change. It changed pretty markedly. Yeah, they're not giving um, – they're not sending signals that that the market is wrong to um, to expect rate cuts, are they? <laughs> that's – I think that's a that's – yeah. Am I being charitable? They, 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 yeah. they certainly didn't dampen those expectations no. uh, yeah. when given the opportunity earlier this week. There was a, a conference in Chicago that, uh, that Fed Chair Powell spoke at and a number of other Fed speakers uh, weighed in. Fed Chair Powell really set the tone by – Basically, taking the previous formulation that we heard in in the last uh, Fed meeting of patience, that was the mantra. We're going to be waiting. They they like where the economy is now. They're going to be in wait and see mode, dependent on how things are breaking. But clearly, what we've seen here this week is a shift in tone toward. Uh, Fed Chair Powell didn't even say the magic word patience right, right. at all. In fact, yeah. it was uh, the new formulation is act as appropriate. Yeah, and, and the, that the really topic is of the. the conference was specifically on Fed communications. So if you can take him out of <laughs> right. the There was going to be a place that you were going to, uh, yeah. Not uh, try to overthink it. Could communicate it correctly. And so given all of this, the, the Fed shift in rhetoric, the low ADP numbers, last week's imposition, the lingering, you know, mm-hmm. trade threats around now Mexico, but also China as well, that added from the time between the time we did this podcast last week and now an extra rate cut plus is priced in over the next uh, two-year end. So that's two plus more fully, <laughs> potentially a little yeah, bit yeah, higher, t- but two me, fully me, priced in. Yeah, tell me what, they're, what, what, what you're seeing on the, and what they're expecting in, uh, in, in the months ahead. Um, uh, for, are you expecting a June rate hike or is that uh, – Personally, yeah. I – I do not expect a June rate hike. The uh, the odds, the I mean, <laughs> yes, right. A rate that cut. would be surprising. That would definitely be surprising. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I do not expect a a June rate cut personally, but clearly there's a you know there's a building uh, there's building momentum for cuts in the coming. When you look at the Fed fund futures implied odds, the it's you know, a one in three, about a 30% mm-hmm. plus chance of a cut in June. That was up from about a one in five about, uh, percent chance when yeah. we began the week. That's right. Yeah. And uh, and that goes back to the predictive power of, of markets where we were kind of laughing that the equity market is, is very optimistic. You know, there's this popular narrative that the equity market's kind of a bunch of silly fools running around throwing darts at a board. And the, the rates market is, uh, you know, where the adults are. But when you look at historically, especially the Fed fund futures predictive power, from 2009, basically until the Fed started hiking in 2016, the the, the Fed fund futures were just way too optimistic. They were thinking we're gonna, every year we're going to hike, you know, two to four times. Yeah. And then when the Fed actually started to hike, they've been just way too pessimistic. Why? Why is that? Do you think? I mean, you showed me a you showed me a terrific chart um, 
uh, earlier this morning on uh, on how they've on, uh, you know how they've yeah. been, been wrong in uh, expecting where the Fed is going to be. Why why is that? Why is that? I mean, is it? I mean, I get to some part of it, you are believing that the the policy action the Fed is taking is going to be successful also, right? right? I, think I, I, I don't say this as a Fed critic. I mean, no, I, think, I, I think they have yeah. – look, I think, I think the Fed – I think FOMC has a really difficult job in trying to, you know, imagine the future and signal for the future and do it in the, in the right uh, sequence and scale – Right, it's like it's, it's like these are human beings trying to yeah. sort this out, and it's really and it's a really it's difficult. Thing. Yeah, so I don't say the whole world effects. Exactly, are, there are lots of lots of factors. A very dynamic environment, and as I as I remind people, you know, they have to do something which is predict the future on <laughs> output when it takes us three estimates to determine the previous <laughs> quarter, really the one that's already uh, done, uh, right? It's finished, and what and it takes us three estimates yeah. to get that one and right. They can be dramatically different those estimates. Absolutely. So, um, you know, so if you're and if you're off, uh, you know, by, you know, uh, 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 you know, a few yeah. points, uh, a few tenths of a point uh, in the near term, that magnifies yeah. over the next and also 18 months or 24 months. The cre- think the Fed that has more information than you and I do. And that's just not the, no, they're the using truth. They know most, everything that you have. Yeah, they're using that. most of what, we are, what we're all seeing, too. And so it is, it is you know, it's a judgment. It's difficult. And uh, so I don't say that critically, just that. Um, but there is there. There, there seems to be a um, – there's a miss. And it, also with Fed communications, there's the aspect of selective listening. As, exactly. Uh, yeah, <laughs> which, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's a really, really as important a, point. Yeah, yeah. As, a, as a father of we, two uh, young kids, uh, <laughs> selective listening is something that I'm well familiar with. But you could – Fed Chair Powell's comments earlier this week were something of a, like a Rorschach test. Yeah. Market participants look at a, you know, a melange of uh, comments from the, uh, from the Fed Chair – and focus in on you know the confirmation bias aspects of it. They hear act rather than <laughs> act may sound louder to their ears than as appropriate. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, they're they're human beings like the rest of us. We all we all hear that way. All right, we're going to take a break. Um, when when we get back, I want to talk uh, get us back onto because uh, we can't escape talking about trade again. Uh, you're listening to the Macrocast, and uh, we'll be back with John and Brendan. All right, we're back. I'm Tony Fratto from Hamilton Place Strategies with John Fagan and Brendan Walsh from Markets Policy Partners. This is the Macrocast, uh, guys. You know, I keep, you know, like I, I, I'm like a broken record on this. We keep wanting to not have, uh, you know, trade influence our our macro thinking, but here we are again. We're we're like in like a Bond film now with, uh, you know, the digital readout to the bomb clicking down, and that's Monday uh, or this weekend as to whether. We're going to get five percent tariffs slapped on Mexico. President uh, uh, Trump announcing this last week that his, his intention to do this is dealing with the uh, immigration uh, crisis at the border, uh, not for economic issues. But here we are. Uh, we still don't have a decision. The Mexicans came in uh, earlier this week. Um, there were meetings. They didn't come to an agreement, and so here we are with uh, likely a weekend decision from the president. As to whether we're going to have um, tariffs on our uh, most important trading partner, yep. um, what do you? What, well, going what, back what, to the the optimism in the market, there is a narrative going around Wall Street now that that Trump actually is kind of the puppet master. Are you going to tell me a, a, a market's uh, conspiracy theory? Yes, let's hear it. <laughs> <laughs> this is the place for that. Yes, that uh, that Trump 
you know, we have the election coming up. We're not far away. Uh, and he's actually, I think, giving a, his opening speech in a, in a few weeks that, that, that Trump is really playing hardball uh, on this delaying China and now bringing Mexico into it, which came out of left field, to force the, the Fed's hands to cut. So now he's going to get his July cut. We go to the G20. All of a sudden, trade disappears. Economic growth. Both China and, and Mexico. Both China yeah. and Mexico. Yeah. Economic growth and markets rally massively into the, the 2020 he would, um What do you think? Well, look, he does want to uh, – I mean he has tried bullying the Fed. You know, mm-hmm. He's tried using the, the, uh, the bully pulpit uh, to tell the Fed what he wants. Um, he's had you know, others, others out there saying the same thing on his behalf as well. I think the Fed's probably headed in that direction. I think his people are probably telling him. You know, I think right. if I'm Kev, Kevin Hassett, who our, our friend Kevin Hassett will be leaving the White House soon, he announced last week, um, is probably telling him the Fed is heading in that direction. Yeah. So I, I have another view on it. Though. I, I think actually, you know, he keeps telling us what he what he wants and what his intention is, and like he's the tariff man. He yeah. likes tariffs. He does not like. Our economic relationship with Mexico, the thing he likes work even uh, or, or dislikes even more is, uh, you know, our, our uh, people coming across the southern border. That's the thing that has most animated him. My, here's my here's my here's the Frato conspiracy theory, although I don't think I'm the only one uh, who, who has said this, is that he wants to put this 5 percent uh, tariff on the Mexicans. We've heard him say with the Chinese tariffs that the Chinese are paying they're paying yeah. the money's flowing into the U.S. Treasury from the Chinese, and we know it's not. We know it's coming from U.S. businesses and consumers. But he says that he believes it. And yeah, genuinely I, believes it. It's he genuinely believes yeah. it. I think he's going to do the same thing with Mexico, and I think he wants to say the Mexicans are paying. They're putting money into the U.S. Treasury, and now that money, we need to go take it and build that wall yeah. on that issue that is the single most important issue to him. It seems to be. Which is keeping people from from crossing uh, crossing the southern border. So, and that is that fits in a campaign context. Also, totally. he said he can come back and say, "I told you I was going to make them pay, and they're paying." And I, I, this is why I think he really, really wants these tariffs. And yeah. I don't think the market is really prepared for that. I think they think that 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 red digital readout clock is gonna is gonna tick down, yeah. and someone's gonna come in and save the day on Sunday, and we're gonna hear that. All things are good, and the Mexicans are really going to uh, take care of this. That may be the outcome, right? But I put it at fifty-fifty. I yeah. could see it. I could see it. And I agree way. with you. That could be the outcome, but that's not the puppet master game plan. We could end up there, but it'd be not that was well, not the reason why we started all yeah. this stuff. Yeah. yeah. And with the rebound this week, you can just it's it's pretty clear that the fixation has been on the uh, the, the market's fixation has been on. Fed rate cuts, but also uh, supporting the equity rally this week, the bounce back this week has been building expectations for something to occur on the trade front. Just as you said, the expectation that this weekend they'll tie it up with a bow with uh, with Mexico and yep. or at least delay it. There was a headline yesterday in the afternoon that the White House was contemplating delaying the imposition of Mexican 
uh, tar- import tariffs past Monday yeah. that rallied the market. Subsequent denials and reports that refuted right, yeah. that previous report were ignored. Yeah, yeah well, today, <laughs> 20 minutes after we get the weak yeah. jobs number, right. they announced that they're going to delay some uh, tariffs on uh, China uh, till the 15th. Certainly on the so equity. They know how to play the game. On, on the equity desks of Wall Street, the biggest sin is missing a rally. Yeah. And so then this year has been the, the rally has been so swift from the depths of despair at the end of December. Yeah. So many investors have missed it and they're underperforming the broader index. The S&P is up almost, I think it's up 14% mm-hmm. year to date. And uh, there are plenty of money managers that we know that are, they're lagging that. And in that, uh, in that environment, when you're behind the eight ball in terms of your performance, you're less worried about perhaps going into the weekend and having bad news bring more downside to you. You're yeah. more worried about missing the potential upside if you have something of a compromise with Mexico, U.S.-Mexico compromise. And if Secretary Mnuchin comes out of the meetings, this week, the finance minister G20 meetings this weekend after meeting with the PBOC governor, Yi Gong, and says, you know, it says, what a constructive yeah. meeting. We're talking about restarting negotiations or something like that. You can just picture that headline really levitating uh, equity prices on Monday. And so the fear of missing out, I think, uh, particularly given the degree of underperformance that a lot of money managers so have. So you think you buy into this today? You have a lot. Of, I mean, I mean, if you are if you are looking at equities, you have those potential. We, we do know, we do have, or at least have a very strong sense that once they can, can put a bow on, a, on, on, uh, on China and Mexico, mm-hmm. that there will be a lift in the market. I mean, I know there, there are discussions with, Japan, I don't think they're particularly serious. And at the very least, I think they're on a very long train. UK is on a very long train. EU is on a, the longest train. Maybe will, will never happen uh, with these two administrations or with the Europeans and, and uh, Trump administration. But if you get those two things out of the way, probably equities are going to. We'll see a pretty pretty good lift, and then expecting the Fed to continue to be uh, supportive. I think that's exactly right. The only I guess the the nuance would be on Wall Street, there's a percolating, uh, well, there's a developing understanding that a solution, a resolution, the U.S.-China trade uh, issue really isn't going to be as neat and tidy in all likelihood as they had perhaps thought and hoped in uh, months prior. The idea that all of this can be resolved with one deal, whether it's the Huawei, the tech transfer just the all singing, all dancing. Yeah. <laughs> across I think you're the right. Front. I think you're right about that. But do you? Th- but but is your? But it's, is it your view that the market does feel that way? I mean, I, I felt that like that people are misunderstanding what a China trade agreement is. I, whatever. Look, I do think if, if there's an agreement, they have a signing ceremony on something. There'll be a or an announcement. There will be a lift uh, in the market. I don't know that that's. Yeah. I don't know that that's a right. I don't know that that's where the market ought to go. But I think that's what will what will happen. I do think that there is a uh, a misunderstanding of what a China trade agreement is. Totally agree. To, right to think of it as a as an end when it's actually a beginning. Beginning. Yeah. But on the flip side, the the, the thing that I, I don't know the answer to this, so I'd be interested in your your take. If the data and the markets get weak enough that Trump decides that this this trade hardline stance is hurting him in the election and he just flips and he goes to China and just cuts whatever deal China's willing to take, which would be a weak one. Does it matter what it is? Is he strong enough with his base to be able to, you know, 
to, to convince or, them that he, he, he <laughs> cut the strong deal. Yeah, I don't think I – mean, look, I think from an electoral standpoint, uh, his base isn't his problem. His okay. base will be there for him. They will be there with great enthusiasm. Uh, I think, you know, what do they believe about what he's done on trade? They will believe exactly what he tells, what he tells them. them. Yeah. It's that, uh, it's that, you know, it's the fact that he has never lift, he's never gone above that ceiling to mm-hmm. reach into other people who are skeptical of him and, uh, and don't, uh, you know, and don't like his style of leadership and, uh, in some cases don't like policy. So he hasn't done a lot to reach out to those people. He's done, he's done, we've seen now, um, you know, what, 25 months of, you know, base yeah. support and no reaching out to, um, to broader populations yet. So I don't, so I don't, I don't think that's his problem, but I do think, yeah. but I don't, I don't know that it's, I don't know if it's strategic or this is no, just, I don't think so, but I think there's that nature. narrative on wall street that he'll just do whatever he needs to do to get reelected. So if the, the numbers start showing that this isn't winning, he'll just yeah. back away. And, and he the, certainly has but I don't know if that's true. And, and that featured in one of the other stories this week that uh, built up the market narrative that the U.S. China, uh, the U.S. Mexico uh, tariff uh, threat may never play out, which was uh, indications that Senate Republicans uh, might might actually try to thwart uh, these or congressional Republicans, congressional uh, con- uh, basically – uh, they would have the numbers to overrule a uh, White House. Do you, what do you? What's your take on that? I think uh, they, if they don't have the means, to, I mean, they could do it, right? But but what would it what it would take to do it? At the end of the day, is an agreement between uh, Nancy Pelosi and Mitch McConnell. And I think the the, the you know. There, there are there are things that I can imagine happening. That's not one I can imagine, <laughs> right? So Nancy Pelosi and Mitch McConnell getting together to embarrass the president, right? Right now they did like you know they did try to do this earlier this year on the on the you know, the funding for the wall wall spending. We were able to get legislation mm-hmm. passed. He uh, you know he vetoed it. They didn't have near the votes to override the veto. I think it would be a replay. Yeah. In this case. But I also think like in this context right now uh, that that was easier to do it on that one. It would be very difficult to do it. On this one, on the president exercising authority under IEPA, I just I don't see that happening. So I think you know they don't like it, but there's I don't see them actually doing anything uh, about it. And if anything's going to do anything about it, it might be market reaction. It might be you know real cost and disruption that might get them to come to the table and and pull it back. And I mean he the the, Mexican, the Mexicans are coming forward and saying they are going to do some stuff right. It's up to him to say whether it, that stuff is enough. Yeah. So um, you know, so that's you know, we'll 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 see whether uh, you know how that plays out. But I don't. I'm not looking to the other end of Pennsylvania Avenue to to solve it. Right. It'll be very interesting to see on Monday if they do kick in at five percent. Whether the equity market, which is now obviously in full on rally mode, we had. A tough Monday, but then we had turnaround Tuesday, and it's been no looking back. Every yeah, it's the first week. Is it looks like uh, right. we're up two hundred thirty points now? First week, uh, that I think, uh, you know, positive week in a while. Right. Uh, so we'll see. Okay, we're going to go to our our uh, last break and then look look ahead to next week. But before we do, uh, what's your what's your prediction on the five percent tariffs, Brendan? I'm going to go eat as much guacamole for lunch as I possibly can. <laughs> I'll wait till this evening and go and have, and have uh, tequila with my my guac and uh, uh, and get as much as I can too. I see it happening. John, I, I agree. I think it goes to five percent, and I think the equity market tries to laugh it off as a yeah. you know just another stage, and they you know to push the uh, the uh, Mexican government to do just that incrementally more. 
Okay, let's take a break, and we'll uh, when we come back, we'll look ahead to next week. Okay, we're back with the macrocast. Uh, John and Brendan from uh, Markets Policy Partners. Um, all right, so let's take a look at the uh, at, at next week. Uh, we have data coming. Uh, what are you guys paying attention to? So um, we have a bunch of balance of trade data out of China, the U.S., and Europe, which normally the market wouldn't pay a ton of attention to. But with the trade negotiations, we'll focus a little more. Then on Wednesday, we get U.S. CPI, which has been at the Fed's 2% target. But uh, unfortunately, they pay attention to the PCE price index, which is at 1.6. Right. Uh, on Friday, that's kind of the big day. In the U.S., we get retail sales, which has been a little volatile, but kind of disappointing over the last few months. Uh, and then in China, we get um, Chinese uh, fixed asset investment, industrial p- production, and uh, retail sales for May. Uh, John, what do you think about that? Yeah, that uh, that trio of Chinese data points always gathers attention. Certainly now, it will be with recent uh, PMI data coming in for China mm-hmm. on the on the weak side. Looking soft, uh, we have concerns about global growth, obviously, in the context of, uh, of China. But uh, looking at these is, is also going to be taken in the context of recent discussions, commentary by Chinese officials. Uh, Yi Gang, the, uh, Pe- the People's Bank of China governor, overnight was uh, extolling the resiliency of the Chinese economy, how it was strong enough to see off all these challenges and uh, it'll be interesting to see if uh, these data points are, are in line with these. Absolutely. And and uh, and, uh, and then whatever else we see coming out of the uh, the uh, uh, finance minister's meeting this weekend also. Uh, yeah, we'll pay- uh, Lighthizer is not going to that. Which, What do you think about that? We used to keep trade uh, <laughs> trade negotiators away from uh, from, from G20 <laughs> meetings. <We didn't, laughs> it's Treasury's show. Yeah, we don't. It's, 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 like, yeah, that's finance ministers. We don't like. We don't like. Uh, we don't like uh, the. Those guys coming in and mucking things up. <laughs> yeah, you don't have too many chiefs uh, yes. in the room there. So yeah, we, we used to never let them come anyway, even if they wanted to. Uh, okay, so big week ahead uh, next week. We'll have a lot to uh, to uh, to dive into, um, and I think by you know by this time next week, was well, the retail sales actually I think is interesting to see whether it confirms totally. some kind of trend. I, I agree, it's uh, it can be volatile, but it may confirm. Uh, yeah, the uh, trend's been in the wrong direction. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so for uh, John Fagan and Brendan Walsh from uh, Markets Policy Partners, thanks for tuning in to the Macrocast. I'm Tony Fratto. Enjoy your weekend. We'll be back with you next Friday. Thanks for listening to the HPS Macrocast, produced by Hamilton Place Strategies in association with Markets Policy Partners. For more from Hamilton Place Strategies, follow us on Twitter at HPS Insight. For more from Markets Policy Partners, please visit marketspolicy.com.